My mother's job was to mold me into her American dream. Didn't young Whittier from Odessa expose the child in her belly to every art museum in New York City every day that she could carry me on her long legs? The magic of transformation was real in her young life. The Jewish child hunted in her cellar by Goyim on horseback was transplanted to a new land where anything was possible if you made it happen, and she wanted to make it happen for her daughter. Whittier was determined to plunge her hands into my baby fat and mold me into a superior, beautiful being who would either marry rich or rise above all others in the arts, ballet, theater. There was no question about it. My father was born in the Bronx, the youngest son of Polish Orthodox Jewish immigrants. His brother and sister were ambitious. His brother, Aaron, and sister, Anne, were show business lawyers. My father, Abraham, was the good son, the good man. He graduated from Columbia, where he had studied economics with John Dewey and was on the wrestling team. He kept a neat, tight, muscular body all his life. He bent his head over the radio every Saturday afternoon to listen to the Metropolitan Opera. He loved coloraturas. My father was the director of the Young Men's and Young Women's Hebrew Association of the Bronx. It was a position of great responsibility, great dignity. He was the moral compass of the family. My grandfather went to shul every day. His tiny wife, Ida, kept an Orthodox home. They lived in a clean, old apartment on College Avenue in the Bronx. Their children must have supported them because my grandfather never left the shul for his hardware store. But they and America raised smart, goal-oriented children. The story goes that my mother went to the Bronx Y to get a job giving classes and dance. She had just graduated from college, where she majored in movement in the Isadora Duncan tradition. I have pictures of her from school. She was beautiful. Five feet seven, straight back, long, shining, dark hair, hazel eyes. When she smiled, her top and bottom teeth glistened like a Spanish dancer's. She sat in the chair in my father's office, reciting her qualifications for the job. She was rocking in the chair, nonchalant. When she did one rock too many, the chair tipped over and she landed on the floor. My father came from behind his desk, laughing, and helped up my flustered, embarrassed mother. And that was that. My mother's name was Wittia Haskell, Americanized from Vicha Haskalyovich. Her mother, Dora, had five children. Three boys, Joseph, Raymond, and Jack, and two girls, Whittier and Fremo. I never knew my grandfather, Leon, for whom I was named. He was a clothing designer and a committed Zionist who left for Palestine with several other Zionist men before I was born. He must have done well because he bought the brownstone on 148th Street and Riverside Drive before he returned to Palestine to establish a Jewish state. They all died of malaria while fighting for their cause. There is a plaque in Rishuletzion with his name on it. In Russian, Leon is Lyov, as in Lyov Tolstoy, Leo Tolstoy. My name is Lyova. There is no such name in Russian. Try being a Lyova 
in a world of Bettys and Judys and Emilies and Janes. Position your tongue for an L. Oh. Then say your, then say va. Your va. In high school, I changed the V to R. And Leora, pronounced Leora, was born. Hence, Lee. From the time I can remember remembering, I was my mother's beloved thing. Little girl, petted, brushed, combed, bathed, fed, beautiful. Lived through her life, her lovely sweet breath, the light in her hazel eyes. I woke up this morning dreaming about my childhood on 148th Street. I'd learned early on from my mother that some of the women in my father's family had made my mother's life so miserable, had criticized her and picked on her so much that she didn't know where to turn. And her husband, my father, refused to take sides or defend her. The mean women in my father's family, the Rosenthal's of Poland, thrived on attack, thrived on gossip. My mother didn't have a chance. There was no mean bitch in her Russian genes. She took me to my grandmother's brownstone on 148th Street to live. I must have been three or even younger when she and my father separated. We lived at 620 West 148th Street between Riverside Drive and Broadway until I was six. My mother and I slept on the bird's-eye maple beds in the big bedroom on the second floor with an ornate white potty underneath. There was no bathroom on the second floor. On the ground floor was the Haskell Nursery School that my mother and her younger sister, Fremo, ran. In summer, the Haskell Nursery School was a busy, humming place. All the attention wasn't on me. Fifteen or so little children from the neighborhood arrived every morning. One morning, as I opened the door, one of them asked me, Does everyone call you lovey because they love you so much? A lurch went through me. Is this what? Love is? A new word, a new concept. In warm weather, there were games in my grandmother's house with children painting with Fremo and being wild and free in the backyard. In winter, the children didn't come, and I was pushed alone into an empty, cold yard in my ugly orange and brown snowsuit, the first snowsuit on the block, my mother told me. I was bored much of the time. Bored and lonely, I had two ratty baby dolls with cloth bodies that I felt really close to. Their eyes blew, of course, open and closed. I fell inside myself as an only child. Other children with a holy grail, I longed for little girls to play with. My Aunt Freema was a girlfriend. She was a grown child, delightful, peculiar. Mostly, I was coddled and bored and observant. I was participant and audience. I was steered into dance, given books which I read and read. I listened to Mother and Fremo. I was sleeping awake, doing what I was told.